Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to this special five-part podcast series on ethics and compliance monitoring across the EU and beyond. This podcast series is sponsored by Affiliated Monitors. Founded in 2004, Affiliated Monitors is the company which provides professional independent integrity monitoring and ethics and compliance assessments nationally and internationally across almost all industries. With its knowledge of effective ethics and compliance programs and cultures, Affiliated Monitors is respected for its work as the corporate monitor on matters ranging from multinational corporations to small and mid-sized companies and even individuals. Having served in over 700 monitorships, no one has more experience as an independent monitor than the team at Affiliated Monitors. For more information on how an independent monitor can help improve your company's ethics and compliance program, visit our sponsor, Affiliated Monitors, at www.affiliatedmonitors.com. Over the course of this five-part podcast series, we'll take a look at several different topics. They include the global view of ethics and compliance programs from Affiliated Monitors' vantage point, enforcement or weak or non-existence ethics and compliance programs outside the United States, what Affiliated Monitors is seeing around ethics and compliance programs in Spain, how companies are struggling with different types of enforcement, and then the difference in reactive and proactive monitorships in the international context. It's a fascinating exploration. I know you will enjoy it. Thank you for listening. This special five-part podcast series on ethics and compliance monitoring across the EU and beyond is a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. Episode 2, Enforcement of Weak or Non-Existent Compliance Programs Internationally. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm back for another episode in our five-part exploration of international ethics and cultural issues. Uh, Today, I have with me Eric Feldman. Eric is a Senior Vice President at Affiliated Monitors, and we're going to take a look at enforcement of weak or non-existence ethics and compliance programs outside the United States. Eric, first of all, thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. My pleasure, Tom. Eric, we've got a, a wide variety of enforcement Uh, models and aggressiveness outside of the United States. But one thing that has been made clear to me over the past really several years from the Department of Justice is the international uh, investigations around bribery and corruption. But now we see international enforcements. So I was wondering, uh, really, from your perspective, where do you see uh, maybe some high-level views on where international enforcement may be going? Well, you know, it really is an interesting phenomenon. I'm watching um, the proliferation of uh, at least concern about enforcing corruption laws um, around the world. Uh, You know, it it used to be that um, there was a view that the United States and the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act and perhaps the, the UK with the UK Bribery Act were the only countries that were at least aggressively uh, pursuing corruption activity on the part of of corporations. Uh, And there was a mistaken view that other countries really didn't have uh, the kind of statutory provisions that would um, prevent these things from occurring. The problem was never that 
countries didn't have anti-corruption laws. Many of them, in fact, most countries had something on the books. The real issue was they weren't enforcing those things. And the United States, for a very long time, um, was the sole enforcer of anti-bribery and corruption activity around the world. In doing that, I think it began to irk some of these other countries that the United States was aggressively pursuing um, companies that were headquartered in their countries and finding corruption and requiring uh, payment as part of a settlement. And those monies went to the United States and sort of reducing it to its, uh, you know, kind of um, distasteful uh, conclusion. Uh, the United States w- was the country that was getting the money. Uh, and the other countries weren't. And I think that was one of several factors, including embarrassment of co- companies from various places in the world um, getting uh, prosecuted by the Department of Justice that began to lead them, lead them to finding other ways of enforcing their existing corruption laws uh, and even to strengthen those laws through additional legislation. And we see that happening uh, more and more around the world right now. And I can provide some examples to you. Sure. The uh, The thing that struck me really starting about five years ago was that uh, I saw a much more international cooperation on investigations and really towards the end of the Obama administration, but continuing through the Trump administration, we now see a uh, also a cooperation in, on the international enforcement with the sharing of the penalties uh, in several cases that uh, you highlighted, Eric. Do you see this, uh, I, and I've heard that very variously called a one-pie model. Uh, we've ha- heard it called anti-piling on. Do you see this as a, uh, continue something that will continue uh, in the realm of enforcement going forward? I think it will. I think the cooperation is going to continue to be there, um, especially as the economy becomes um, more and more global, obviously. Um, We're we're seeing it in far-flung places. Uh, Singapore is a very good example. In Singapore, uh, they just over the last couple of years had the instance of uh, I guess Keppel uh, Corporation being prosecuted by DOJ for corruption issues, um, among other things. And that is a Singaporean company. Uh, and it was very embarrassing to the, the uh, government of Singapore to have this occur. Um, Singapore always had corruption laws on the books, but didn't have a big method of enforcing them. Uh, Two years ago, they passed legislation requiring deferred prosecution mm-hmm. agreements as an alternative mechanism for um, uh, for settling those cases. And now they're considering how do we write those DPAs, how do we enforce those DPAs, and to what extent do we put ethics and compliance factors as part of the remediation required under a DPA? Uh, the government of Malaysia just passed legislation 
uh, creating corporate liability for corruption cases for the first time. Whereas before they were going after individuals within companies. Now they have the legislation and the authority to hold the corporation liable if they didn't demonstrate, they can't demonstrate due diligence in preventing those individuals from committing those acts of corruption uh, within their organization, within their company. Um, so we're seeing this around the world, and um, I, I'm getting feedback that there still is a great amount of cooperation uh, from the Justice Department from this serious fraud office in the UK and Asian, South American, and other countries um, in coordinating not only the investigations themselves, but in coordinating the settlements to, uh, I guess, to prevent piling on. But I think there's a push to create a more fair share of the, of the pie around the world. Eric, I've heard uh, Department of Justice and SEC officials really talk about this expansion of the international enforcement uh, in the in a way that would indicate that the U.S. either takes the lead in helping to split up the pie, or but uh, only the U.S. has the cachet to kind of uh, mediate between the various countries to to get everyone to agree to a final uh, penalty. Is is that something you have seen or at least heard anecdotally as well? I've heard that anecdotally, um, and, and I think that's that's going to continue. Um, you know, I the, the U.S. model, uh, the U.S. DOJ model of enforcement um, has been fairly consistent, and you've seen that enforcement it, it can wane at times, and under different administrations, there are different priorities. But the basic level of enforcement and theory that we are going to enforce the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act has really been fairly high over the last, I would say, five to seven years, maybe 10 years even, um, to a certain extent. Certainly, um, the last decade, I think you've seen an, an uptick in the level of, of international enforcement. And I see that cooperation continually, uh, particularly between DOJ um, and the UK when it comes to the UK Bribery Act. One really interesting indicator is the fact that the new director of the Serious Fraud Office is an American. Uh, who was the general counsel at the FBI. And so that American understanding and uh, acceptance of enforcement of these laws um, as a accepted way of doing business, I think is going to um, move the SFO to even more aggressive enforcement uh, going down the road. Well, Eric, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but I've been visiting today with Eric Feldman, and we've been taking a look at the enforcement of ethics and compliance programs outside of the United States, in many ways uh, led by or, or in conjunction with the Department of Justice. Eric, as always, thank you for taking the time to visit with me. Thanks for having me. 
This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Ethics and Compliance Monitoring across the EU and beyond, and I hope you'll join us again for another episode. If you'd like more information on Affiliated Monitors, check out their website, www.affiliatedmonitors.com. This podcast has been a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.